Okay, so I'm just reading this one along with you right now. It just came under my nose. Talk to Greg Wyshynski about this coming up in hour two. The NHL announcing today a strategic partnership with RCX Sports, uh, a leader in organized youth sports experiences, to officially launch, quote, NHL Street, a North American-wide youth street hockey league. This is such a... A great idea. So I can recall, and this is essentially going to be a nationwide ball hockey league from ages 6 to 16. I remember talking to Andrew Ference about this in advance of, and Ference is going to be a big part of this. Um, he's part of the NHL, Director of Social Impact Growth and Fan Development. And the conversation we were having is the way to grow the sport, well, one of the ways to grow the sport is to get sticks in people's hands. But that's only one part of it. The other part of it is how do you get them on the ice? That's really expensive. Is there a transition you can make or is there a middle step you can make from getting a stick in the hands to getting them on the ice? And could the answer be ball hockey? Because let's face it, learning to skate is A, hard, B, expensive. But the way to sort of create, get some, some juices flooring or to create some immediate interest, if you don't have access to ice or to skates or have the resources to do so, ball hockey can provide a great outlet to get kids involved. Uh, I'll read this at the break and I'll talk to Wish about this coming up in hour two. But good on the NHL for launching these things and it looks like franklin's involved as well with the uh the branded equipment uh okay so coming up on the show we'll talk about ball hockey today um if you're like me spend a lot of time playing ball hockey whether it's out in the backyard whether it's at the schoolyard whether it's on the street car we can all remember right yelling car uh and then a little bit later on playing on the uh, ontario ball hockey association um so that's very cool. Coming up on the show today in a couple of moments, Elliot Friedman stops by. Elliot's latest blog, what he does is he goes team by team in advance of the trade deadline. What are they looking at? Who are they looking to pick up? Who are they looking to get rid of? Um, we'll go through a number of those teams as well. I'd kind of like to park a little bit of time to talk about Anaheim specifically and who the Ducks have on offer, who they could move, where they could go. And is there a way, because Elliot mentioned this in his piece, and I talked to someone in the NHL with a team about this, is there a way for the Ducks to actually move on from John Gibson, which is an interesting contract and a very interesting goaltender. So Elliot's coming up here in a couple of moments. <coughs> Excuse me, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic. We'll talk about a number of things with him. Most notably, Eric Carlson, who, listen, you listen to a program like this, you watch a show like this, you kind of have an understanding that, you know, Eric Carlson is having a season for the ages, but it's not just a season for the ages for himself. He's having one of the best five-on-five seasons that we've ever seen from a defenseman. Uh, Mike Kelly will break down exactly why Eric Carlson is having one of the best um, five-on-five seasons of any defenseman we've ever seen. Also, we'll talk about Josh Morrissey uh, when you talk about breakout seasons. And I know a lot of this is Rick Bonus, the defense whisperer, certainly. And that's probably one of the reasons why they brought Bonus in to begin with. Uh, we'll talk about Josh Morrissey. Probably get on, and we should do this with Elliot too, get on board with what is happening now with Jacob Chikrin. 
So Chikrin has now returned skating with the Arizona Coyotes. He was held out, as we all know, for trade-related reasons uh, a couple of weeks ago. That trade, we believe, was with the Los Angeles Kings. That never happened. Why? Could it have been that the Arizona Coyotes are not in a position to take any significant money back? That would make sense. But for whatever reason, uh, Jacob Chikrin is still a member of the Arizona Coyotes. And we wonder now... Do you think he goes past another trade deadline and doesn't get moved? And we go through this all again, maybe leading up to the draft, dare we say, leading up to the trade deadline um, next season. Greg Wyshynski coming up an hour or two as well. And also, selfishly, I really loved this interview. So last Friday, Elliot and I, after I wrapped up the show here, uh, went to a downtown Toronto hotel and spent about an hour or so with Jake Allen of the Montreal Canadiens and put together uh, an interview which you can see at our YouTube channel, Sportsnet's YouTube channel tomorrow. But uh, right now, uh, it's available at the latest 32 Thoughts podcast. We'll play a couple of sections for, uh, from it for you later on, including uh, maybe my favorite part, which is we get Jake Allen to build the goalie Frankenstein monster. You know, if you could take a piece of each goaltender through history and build the perfect goalie, who would that goalie be? Which parts of other goaltenders would go into becoming the Frankenstein monster of goaltenders? So that's all coming up on the show today. Lots to get to. Thumbs up on the ball hockey. That's a great idea. We'll mention that with Fridge here on the other side. Welcome to the Merrick Show. Let's get going here. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, as we bring on Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Elliot, lots to get to from your blog uh, that you just published at sportsnet.ca. But before we get there, I'm just skimming through this press release from the NHL. And you and I have talked about this before. I think you and I talked about this around the draft in Montreal last season when things were just starting to pick up steam. And Andrew Ference is a big you know, part of this initiative. This is a huge one for him. He's uh, the NHL Director of Social Impact Growth and Fan Development. Um, the NHL, in association with Franklin, Franklin Sports, coming up with a national program. A, uh, it's called NHL Street, which is a North American-wide youth street hockey league. You know, Elliot, we've talked about, you know, how do you get sticks in people's hands? And we've always just assumed that it has to be on the ice. I've always felt, and I think you're on the same page, that one of the best ways to get young kids interested in hockey to begin with is ball hockey because that's kind of where we all started. And I think this is a real smart partnership here uh, with RCX Sports and, and the NHL to start a national, between the ages of 6 to 16, ball hockey or street hockey league. Your thoughts on this one? Whoa. Um, wow. Uh, well, like I think anything that grows the game is good, don't you? Yeah, I think this is a home run. Like I, I really yeah. do. Like I, I don't see any downside to this at all. If you're gonna, if you're gonna start to 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 like, I've always felt that. Well, here let me, let me lay it out all for you. I've always felt that the NHL in a, uh, specifically was in a position to capture and own hockey. 
not just ice hockey, but also ball hockey and, dare I say, roller hockey as well. Like the strength of this league and the strength of the NHL brand and the resources that they're able to bring to other forms of hockey, I've always Mm -hmm. felt the NHL was in a position to do so. The economic climate has to be right. The infrastructure needs to be in place. But I've always looked at the NHL and wondered why, considering how strong that brand is, they didn't try to capture all of it. And it looks like maybe with a you know street hockey slash ball hockey league, this is a wink at the NHL extending their brand off the ice and onto other venues of hockey. Yeah, like I, like I think anything that like any like I remember when like flag football was the, the NFL created like a young flag football league with the CFL in Canada. I think that was when I was at the score. Yeah. And like I think anything like that is is a good thing. Um, I, I don't know how. Like I remember you were talking about Andrew Ference, and one of his ideas was get a stick in every kid's hand. Like it didn't matter how, yes. just get a stick in kids' hands. Yep. And I and I and I think that's so important. Like anything that gets people mm-hmm. playing the game, I'm all in favor of a hundred percent. And it looks like this will go uh, a long way in doing that. Uh, Okay, so to a couple of things. Before we get to um, your blog, which is focused on 32 teams and uh, and 32 thoughts, and congratulations, 32 thoughts on 32 teams and where they're at in advance of trade deadline. This was a monster of a blog, and well done. Uh, I want to go over a couple of things from last night. And we'll get to the Maple Leafs and Ryan O'Reilly here in a couple of seconds. But up first, one, great to see Jacob Verana return. And two, yeah. the Detroit Red Wings, that story is continuing. And unfortunately for Washington, their story is continuing. But focusing on the positive, huge win for the Red Wings yesterday as they try to climb up and climb in to a playoff spot. I know they're there by winning percentage. They're just not there by way of points. Your thoughts on what we saw yesterday, Detroit, Washington, three to one for the wings. Well, I think one of the things that has happened here is that like, like I wrote this day, like Steve Eiserman, you know, he was as competitive as competitive guy. And, you know, his nickname was cutthroat because he would do anything to win. As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, about in uh, in the 2002 first round series against Vancouver when they were down two nothing. Um, like the, I remember Brendan Morrison told the story at the opening faceoff in Game Three in Vancouver. Eiserman looked up at Morrison and said, uh, "We've got you right where we want you." <laughs> Detroit won four in a row, and <laughs> one of the Red Wings players on that team told me that Iserman carried them through that series, that they don't win that series without the way he led the team. And then he was so battered uh, with his knee injury that that player said, like, after they beat Vancouver, uh, you know, the players said they went to, they, they basically said to each other, they went to Iserman and they said, look, Steve, you got us through this one. Now we're going to get you the last three. And that's, that's what happened. But like, I looked at that game last night. I think Steve Eisman wanted to see the killer instinct dead of Detroit. Like, when you're a young team and you're for the first time you're playing games you have to win, how are you going to handle that? Yeah. And they lost Larkin 13 minutes in, and they won the game. Yep. They, were, they were excellent. And, I, you know, to me, it validates their decision for the time being about taking Bertuzzi off the market and – 
and going for it. I think that that's a team that makes uh, a lot. Like that's a team now. You're gonna con- if you play like that, you're gonna convince Eisenman to keep everybody off the market and go for it. Yeah, and, and and at which point I think we start to wonder. Okay, taking Tyler Bertuzzi off the market and maybe using him as your own rental is one thing. Do you think we're in a position now, as close as the Red Wings are, and we haven't seen playoffs in Detroit uh, for a number of years, and they have a brand-new building, and it's really important to the Illiches to start to get some playoff action and some playoff revenue involved with the Red Wings on a consistent basis. Are we in position now, Elliot, in advance of the trade deadline, which is about five minutes from now, to say maybe we shouldn't be surprised if the Detroit Red Wings actually add come trade deadline time. And then you wonder, is there any chance that they may even think really big and get involved in the Timo Meyer sweepstakes? I, I, I don't know. Like, that's a tough thing. Detroit is so hard to read. Like, like yeah. well, first of all, I can't imagine, like, I would never want to say no. That's, that's the one thing I, I would never want to say no. But my question is, do you think that makes sense for Detroit to pay now? That price? I don't. I, I, here's what I wonder about. Like, it's the same thing that I wonder about with the Buffalo Sabres. How much, like, how much have they arrived a year or maybe two years sooner than the organization expects? And if you believe all development is a bunny hop, is this that lurch forward only to see them next season take two steps backwards? We don't know. All I know is Detroit's real close, and I'm sure ownership. Like, I'm of the firm belief last season as well that ownership you know, essentially said to Eisman, we need to get some players in here. We need to have a full season. We can't be bowing out around Christmas time. It's not good for the wings. It's not good for our business. We need players in here. And Eisman acted accordingly. Now that they're flirting with a playoff spot here, I wonder, and it's not just Eisenman, but you know everybody answers to someone, ownership saying, you know what, we're there. Maybe we got there earlier than we thought, but we're there right now. Maybe it's time to add. Well, I, I think this, Jeff. I think in Buffalo they're definitely feeling that way. I, I wonder in Buffalo if they do something small, like just to say, all right, we brought mm-hmm. something in for you guys. Like, but, but, like one of the teams that's looking for a face-off person is Seattle. They're 30th in the league. You know, Buffalo is yeah. 32nd. Maybe they're... Like, like, like I think in Buffalo, you, you can reward your group without paying a huge price, and that is maybe find a depth player just to say, hey guys, here's some help. And I think that can go a long way. But, like, I don't, I don't know that I'm paying the price for Meyer if I'm Detroit right now. Like, like I do think the, the, the ownership business decision is very real. Like, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And in Detroit's case, I, I really understand that. Um, you know, but I look at that, and I, I, I mean, if you sign him, that's one thing. But the other thing, too, is I wonder how Eiserman looks at his overall salary structure. Like, like who's coming up for an extension? No, Dylan Larkin. And Moritz Sider. And Tyler Bertuzzi. And, and we'll see about that and, one. <laughs> yeah. And eventually a, a bunch of other guys. So that to me is the thing that makes me most curious 
is what a do they, is it, they feel at the right time to pay the price, and b is it the right time to sign them? I, it's it, I'm not saying no. I have more questions than I have answers. You know, it's funny you mentioned Sider too, because as I was thinking about Timo Meyer and the Detroit Red Wings, I was thinking to myself, well, listen, you know, Claude Lemieux is, you know, very familiar with this organization from his playing days and also his agent days as well. He's got Sunquist there, he's got Sider there. Sider's going to be doing new ones soon. We know how the agent game gets played around the National Hockey League. I don't know. All I'm thinking is here how big is Detroit thinking? And maybe, you know, considering what happened yesterday in Buffalo, because I'm glad you mentioned the Sabres because I want to go there next. Considering what happened with the Buffalo Sabres last night in the game against the Maple Leafs where, you know, O'Reilly, Marner, and Tavares put it out of contention early, although they almost handed it back to Buffalo in the third yeah. period, I think. Everyone Have got to make nervous it around exciting. Toronto and Alex Tuck. When Alex Tuck scored that goal, I think everyone in Toronto just went, uh-oh, do we start tweeting about 18-wheelers now? Um, I- I'm with you. I think Buffalo is feeling that pinch, like, hang on, we've gotten so close here. We'd hate to squander all the work that we've done. You know, maybe Kevin Adams says, look, maybe maybe I do need to do something because we're close to getting Terry, P- Terry Pagula some playoff dates. Well, I think the other thing, too, is that I, I think Adams – like Adams to me is is kind of interesting in the sense that I think he's got a plan and he wants to stick to the plan, but I also think he's listened to what his players have to say within reason. Like this year when they had their three goaltenders, Anderson, Comrie, and Lukanen, um, they you know there was a time when they were thinking of sending Lukanen down to the minors because they didn't think they had it made sense for their roster. And I heard some of the players said, no, we need him, and we need you to keep him. Yeah. And I heard he listened. So, like, I, I think that's, you know, to me, that's a good executive. Listen to your players within reason. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a good way to, to do things. And so I do, like, again, I understand why the Sabres don't want to do uh, a big thing. And it's the kind of thing that gets you in trouble in your organization because you – go off your plan and all of a sudden you're you're careening off course like you're really the train going off the tracks jeff so i understand why he has that philosophy but i also think you can find a way to help a small way no the the only thing that the the only thing that i keep coming back to with uh, a team like the buffalo sabers and listen we're well aware of kevin adams and how he's described how he doesn't want to stray off the course at all um, I know you like very dated references, so I'm going to go 100 years ago to a British economist uh, by the name of Maynard <laughs> Keynes, who, when he flip-flopped on an issue, um, remarked, well, when the facts change, I change my mind. What, pray tell, yeah. do you do? And I look at the Buffalo Sabres and I say, okay, but the facts have changed here with the Buffalo Sabres. Like, they've arrived, they've arrived at a place now that we thought the Sabres were going to be at maybe next year, maybe two years from now. So the facts have changed. Is it not up to the general manager to adapt to that instead of rigidly sticking to the quote-unquote plan? Know what I mean? Well, you know what? First of all, what's uh, Maynard Keyes' uh, TikTok page? I'm just looking that up right now. Uh, secondly, <laughs> he's, he's no longer he's no longer sharing oxygen with us. Don't look; he's he's not there. Oh, okay. Um, look, uh, uh, look. I, I think uh, like 
I agree with you on that. It's like the old, like, you plan, God laughs line. Things change. Don't, it's yes. like, only, yes. o- o- only a Sith believes in absolutes, Jeff. Like, things change out there. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know what? It's like, as I wrote, it's like Verano last night. Like, a lot of us thought he was done in Detroit. Yeah. He was in their lineup last night. Things change. Things change. It was great to see. Uh, what did you make of the Maple Leafs last night? Ryan O'Reilly with the uh, the hat trick against his old team, the Buffalo Sabers, and you know, you and I had remarked upon how how many midweek Buffalo Toronto games have we seen where you know the Maple Leafs march down the QEW to take the loss and and uh, you know uh, between their the tail between their legs uh, make the hike back to Toronto. Quite the opposite yesterday, and it was. It was Marner finding O'Reilly. It was John Tavares. It was that entire line. Maybe, maybe answering the question: Where does Ryan O'Reilly belong in the top six or as a center on the third line? How much did that game last night go to answering that question? Well, it's one of those. It's one of those games where everybody who's involved with the trade, whether it's the GM or the coach or anybody else, they look like a genius. Like it was. You're looking at that game last night and. I mean, if you're a Toronto fan, that was exciting to watch. You see all the chemistry, and oh, yeah. like, wow, like this is this is exactly what we needed. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think, like, you know, Marner in particular is just having a hell of a year. Uh, O'Reilly and uh, yeah. O'Reilly and Achari just look rejuvenated, and, and Tavares can play with anybody. So, like, it's it, it, it's it's a really good line. I, you know, like it's fun. It was fun to watch. I, I think that. The interesting thing is, it's like, okay, now everybody's going to get a look at this, right? Like, for example, they're playing Minnesota on Friday night, and what do you think the Wild, that the Wild have to play Columbus uh, tomorrow, but they're going to play Toronto on Friday. What do you think that whole pre-scout is going to be about is, okay, this is the line. And every team they play now, the pre-scout is going to be about those three guys. So what I'm curious is, okay, now that people have seen them, how are they going to try to defend them? What are they, what are they going to try to do? And, you know, the other thing, too, is I, I was listening to our, um, our interview with Jake Allen this morning because, I, you know, I, I'm just an egomaniac who likes to listen to myself. And he's talking about <laughs> the way that the Maple Leafs move around and their movement's different. Yeah. Like, will their movement be different yeah. with that line as opposed to some of the other quicker lines? Like, I... I think this is like it's a really high IQ group, um, but I, I think we're all yeah. curious to see how is this going to evolve. How are people going to defend them? And uh, like that's the kind of cat and mouse game I, I really like watching. Uh, okay, so a couple of things from your blog here: um, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Luke Shen held out uh, last. Night. That was a pretty exciting game. It, it really was uh, yes. last night against Nashville. Unfortunately, there was a horrible outcome with Ryan Johansson, who's having surgery. That's a that's a that's yeah. a that's a tough one, but really exciting game last night. I think, I think night. it's a skate cut, um, unfortunately. So that's that's really too bad. Yeah. It's really too bad. Yeah, you never, yeah, you you, you just hate it. Um, so Luke Shen held out. Do you have any idea how close Vancouver may be to to pulling the trigger on a Shen deal here? I, I heard last night as I went to bed that they hadn't picked a final team yet, but it's like the one thing I was told was that last week the offers were not good enough, and now they are. Like we're, we're getting to the point where this is this is going to happen. Um, you know, one team that I think was interested there they would kind of be a mid third rounder, and I think they were going to get beat. They seem to think that. 
they were going to get beat on the offer. So we're looking at like a higher third rounder or maybe potentially a, uh, like a like a late second rounder for this. So we'll see uh, where this goes. But I had heard there were still multiple teams in. Like like I'm going through my list, right? Like I I, mm. I think you know Calgary's been interested. Boston's been interested. Boston's just a really confusing team to figure out right now. I, I it's 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 just it's just wild trying to figure out what they're up to. Um, you know I wondered about Colorado. Uh, simply because of all the injuries there, but I'm told it's not them. Um, you know, I've also wondered, like Ken Weeby, our uh, Ken Weeb, our, our teammate, wondered if you know, Winnipeg yeah. made sense. So I think it's down to I think it's down to a few teams. You know, the tough thing for the Leafs is, like, I think they've had interested uh, interest, but I just don't know if they have the draft capital right now to do it. And also now, if they're trading for Shen. Someone is coming off the roster, right? So that'll be interesting yep. to see where or if that goes. Um, other end of the rank, it was the Nashville Predators who almost handed this one away. Uh, they they end up with the uh, w- with the with the, with the win here. But yeah. um, you know, I had one person we've talked we've talked about. You know, who could be. You know who could be on their way out if things completely fall apart for the Nashville Predators? And there were moments last night where we were saying, "Uh oh, here go the Preds again." This is a, this is a tough one to watch. I had someone say to me yesterday, "You know, don't be surprised if at the end of all of this at trade deadline, Dante Fabro ends up with his old coach David Quinn uh, in San Jose. Would that make some sense to you?" It absolutely makes sense to me. It absolutely because I think that he's a player that Nashville has explored moving, and it's a good gamble for San Jose, and they are looking for those kinds of players. And so I, I think it absolutely makes a ton of sense, Jeff, for the uh, for the Sharks for sure. I do, and the Predators. Um, you know, sure. there's been a lot of talk about Tanner Janot there. Uh, they, yep. uh, I, I've heard they're talking to him about an extension. So I would, and since he's under team control for one more year, I would tend to believe that he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, it was wild. I was watching that game last night. It's the second time I've seen in the last few days where the home team got booed and then won the game. Uh, Nashville got booed at the end of regulation last night and won the game in the shootout. And the Islanders on Friday at home against Pittsburgh, they were getting booed pretty hard, and they and they came back to win and and make the fans on Long Island go bananas. I always I always get a good laugh when that happens. Hey, um, speaking of going bananas, uh, what did you make of Pat Kane almost scoring at the end of that game uh, last night with the slap shot? They should have let it count. <laughs> It just would have been perfect, especially if that's going to be his last game at that rink. That would have been the perfect way to conclude it. They, they should they should have let it count the 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 Chara Hosa. They should have let it count. It would have been it would have been perfect. I think he knew. Like you know, <laughs> I guess it's a reminder that the the TV clock isn't always synced up. Like someone was really Correct. mad about it, and they sent me a, a picture of the puck in the net and a circle around the clock, which said 0.01. And I'm like, you can see yeah. the green light on in the background. Like, that that doesn't count. People forget, like, in basketball, as long as you're, you've got the shot going, it counts. In hockey, it has to be in the net. But 
I really mm-hmm. wish that would have counted. You know, I have to tell you, on some level, on on some level, uh, Jeff, I still don't know why the Blackhawks are not thinking about bringing him back for another year. Like I said, if if he can't stand the losing, that's one thing. But on some level, I don't yeah. know why they're so adamant against it. But he has a decision to make. I think if the choice has come down to either picking a team or 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 getting fixed up, and he's got to decide which one he wants to do. Uh, to your basketball analogy, that's exactly how Guelph beat Western last week. Glad you finally acknowledged that. <laughs> and that's excellent. Um, and and I'm with. I listen. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on Pat Kane and signing the one year extension and running this thing back. Um, all over again. Uh, a couple of things before we wrap up here and give way to Mike Kelly. Uh, Jacob Chikrin returned to practice yesterday. He's skating with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Andre Tournier essentially saying, you know, when asked if he's going to be in the lineup, uh, that's a decision above my head or asked the lead singer or however he, he phrased his response. Is there a chance, and I guess maybe there is, that deadline comes and goes and there's no Jacob Chikrin deal? Someone said that to me yesterday, and I am like, oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen for the sake of everybody involved. Yeah. I, I, I'm i just, like, again, like, honestly, I can't figure out what's going on with this, with this, with this Columbus-Boston thing here. I, I It's, like, like I, I've had, I got, I've asked, is this still on? People say to me, it's like, like it looks like it's still on. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about it. it it's, it's really weird. So, you know, we'll so see, just, 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 we'll see what happens. I was going to say, just, just so everybody's on the same page, your belief or your theory is that. Columbus does the Gavrikov deal with the Boston Bruins and that whatever they pick up from the Bruins becomes an asset in a Jacob Chikrin trade and he would then end up as a Blue Jacket. Potentially, yes. Potentially, yes. I think the team that... uh, I think the team that uh, could change this all potentially could be someone like St. Louis. Um, You know, St. Louis is in the race now. Um, St. Louis is in the race now because of all these draft picks they have, and they've been interested in Chicken before. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't count them out. You know, maybe they decide they're going after uh, Meyer first, and and they use whatever capital is left to go do something else. The other thing too is Jeff. I still right. think they have to move a D, but I. Uh, I really do think that they could do it if they wanted to. Okay, speaking of move a D, let's let's end on this one. Uh, and I know you know he's uh, not in the lineup, injury. Although I don't believe it is serious. Uh, much in the spirit of you know reuniting Dante Fabro with David Quinn. Do you think that? And you mentioned Ken Weeb a couple of seconds ago, and you know, covers the Winnipeg Jets for us here on Sportsnet. Do you think there's a chance we could see John Klingberg? reunited with Rick Bonus in an Anaheim-Winnipeg deal. Klingberg's on the expiring contract. Uh, Anaheim would have to eat half of the contract. Um, do you think the potential exists for that to happen if you consider Winnipeg's probably in the market for a D here? I, I, you know what? That's a good idea. I got to tell you, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. 
Like, the one thing is, like, Winnipeg hasn't always been crazy about their rental experience. So yeah. I'm always wondering about that. But they've got a good team. Like, they've got, mm. they've got a really good team. And, I, like, I think it just depends... Like that that to me is the question. Like, do they feel they're getting value for the cost? Right. We shall see. And um we should point out as well, speaking about the Winnipeg Jets, you can watch them in action tonight. Scotia Bank Wednesday night hockey, seven o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet. The Jets facing off against the Islanders and their playoff uh push continues. Uh great stuff, great blog. Everyone read it. Elliot going through all thirty two teams and where they're at uh just over a week in advance of NHL trade deadline. Thanks, bud. Good stuff. All right, I'm going to sleep. Bye. <laughs> he stays up like honestly it's insane because I'll get notes Amal and I will both get notes at like 3.30 or 4.30 or 5.30 in the morning from uh, from Elliot who's burning the candle trying to trying to get his blog done um, sportsnet.ca and also um, speaking of 32 Thoughts the latest podcast just came out it's our interview from last Friday uh, with Jake Allen of the Montreal Canadiens trust me if you are if you're a hockey geek, and chances are you're listening to this program, you're a hockey geek. Specifically, if you're a goalie geek or you're just interested in finding out what goes on in between the ears of an NHL goaltender, perhaps nobody expresses themselves better that plays that position than Jake Allen. The goalie's goalie. Uh, I think you'll really like this interview. We'll play part of it coming up in hour two. The full podcast is available um, right now, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Sportsnet.ca, wherever your favorite podcatcher, uh, the video comes out at our Sportsnet YouTube channel tomorrow. Uh, all right, Greg Wyshynski coming up top of the hour from ESPN with our uh, weekly Wednesday visit. In the meantime, um, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network and Sport Logic. A few things to go over with him, namely. Eric Carlson and a five-on-five season for the ages. That's where we'll begin. We'll see where we end up. Mike Kelly is next as the Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Keep it here.